Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's the Hive Sports Podcast, bringing you all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State. Visit us at thehivesports.com. Against Gobert, puts his shoulder down, rolls inside, try to slam it home, and Rudy said, not tonight! John Beck is on the run, he throws behind him, it is, cut for the touchdown! Merrill for the lead, he's got it! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the RSL Sundays podcast here at the Hive Sports, brought to you today by myself, Ethan Kershaw, alongside with Alex Maurer. Talk things, all all things RSL this week. Uh, a lot of games this week, a lot of stuff to break down, but a lot of fun to talk about as well. So we're really excited to be here with you all today and, uh, and break it all down on the podcast episode. But before we jump into the episode today, Alex, how are you doing, man? I am doing sensationally well, if I'm being entirely honest. It doesn't get much better than that from an RSL perspective. Uh, just coming uh, home from the game, that was pretty incredible, and just got back from a trip to Costa Rica. That's why I missed last week's pod episode. Shout out Matt and Trevor for holding it down while I was gone, and you, of course. I appreciate that. And yeah, it was just a real swing for the fences sort of trip. It was so much fun. Just living my best island, well, not island life, but you know, my best coast life is great yes. what about you ethan oh i'm doing pretty well uh like like you said as well uh big shout out and big thanks to uh to matt and trevor um from rsl soapbox last week helping me hold it down on the podcast um costa rica sounds amazing so i totally don't blame you for missing last week but um excited that you're back here and that we're, we're back together talking rsl um i just got back from a 10-hour drive from montana so not as tropical and exotic as costa rica <laughs> unfortunately but um but not but yeah. far off yeah, still, still, uh, still a fun time. So, uh, but we're excited to break down the uh, the RSL games this week, and um, there were actually two RSL games this week, so we got a little bit more to to cram into one episode. Um, Alex, you let me know that you've got a lot of stuff to talk about on the episode, so we're not just gonna sit here and dilly dally and waffle around. We gotta get into the episode. Before we do, though, please make sure you follow the Hive Sports at the Hive Sports on Twitter. Also. You can find myself at Ethan Kershaw nine and you can find Alex at Alex Maurer on Twitter. Be sure to hit us up with any questions you have for players, coaches, or even for us as well. And maybe ways that we can uh, improve the podcast. We are all ears and uh, we, we really do want to improve and, uh, and do the best we can for, uh, for all of you listening out there. So um, thank you all for tuning in. And with that being said, let's go ahead and jump on into the episode today. So uh, we're going to start off with our, our pod trivia segment, our first segment, as always, on the episode. And uh, Alex, do you have something good for me today? I have something for you today. I don't know how I would describe it and which adjectives I would choose. But Ethan, you gave us such a good intro. And to pay you back, I'm going to give you a near impossible question. But I'm I'm, I'm hopeful for you. I'm hopeful for you. I think I think you're you're you know what? Let's just get into it. Tonight's VAR official was one Rosendo Mendoza, a third year official. In which year was he the center official for a USL Western Conference final? Wink, wink. Think Western RSL. Think final. important USL Western Conference finals. 
USL. Yes, correct. USL. Dude, oh man. I spent... If it's the year I'm thinking of, which would be the year that they won the title, I was there for all of that. I went to the post-celebration, and now I'm blanking on the year, which is kind of funny. Um, No multiple choice here, so I see I will just have to take a stab at it. Um, I would like to say what is... uh, 2018 oh brutal by the skin of your teeth 2019 2019. ethan you were so close when the monarchs beat el paso locomotive fc to advance to the usl final which way would the which they would go on to win so there's a little uh referee crossover for that one for this for this game it was pretty it was a real deep cut this week i was grasping at straws looking for something to go off of but i but that was the best I could do. So, no, yeah, if there are any excellent. VAR official decisions tonight that you were unhappy with, just know that this referee cut us a solid when we beat El Paso in the USL Western Conference Final. So, yeah, there you go, Ethan. A little bit of knowledge for you. Yes, El Paso Locomotive, a uh, former team of one Diego Luna, and I believe uh, current team of Devin Sandoval, if I'm not mm, just... Isn't he? No, he's with... New Mexico. New Mexico. New Mexico. Right. United. Yes. Yeah. New Mexico. Right. Just Diego Luna, El Paso locomotive. Um, so yeah, awesome thing. I, I was hoping it was kind of about sporting Kansas city barbecue because, <laughs> well, maybe that's a good thing. I'm actually kind of hungry right now. I'll probably grab some food after the episode, but, um, but yeah, a little disappointed, but it's, it's a great question. And, Thank really you. I made appreciate me think that. about it. So thank Pro you. Pro referees much, has this like bio for each of their refs now that I'm going to use pretty much as a database for random trivia questions when I can't come up with anything better. So if you want to ever study that, listeners and or Ethan, just know that it's a good, it's a good, it's a good resource for you. Okay. Well, that's Perhaps. great to know. That's Perhaps. great to know, especially for everyone out there listening to you. If you want to look that up as well. Um, but I think we have a, a pretty fantastic Monarch Minute set up for today's episode. Alex had to hurry back from Costa Rica. I had to hurry back from Montana to talk all about the Monarchs because uh, this week's actually worth talking about. So, yes, Alex, we got our Monarch Minute. Are you are you ready for this one? I am, but we've got so many paragraphs. There's no way I'm getting this done in two minutes. And as you mentioned, the travel time was rough, but my two hours spent in LAX watching the Monarchs game were the best of the five hours I spent because the Monarchs for Sporting Kansas City 2 happened on Saturday. The last time they played SKC won 4-2, but this time, baby, the times have changed. The Monarchs won 1-0 on a stoppage times goal from Benjamin Rodriguez. This moves the Monarchs from dead last all the way up to second to last in the MLS Next Pro standings. The Monarchs are also looked really good in this game for the first time in a long time. SKC 2 were no pushovers, sitting 15 points clear of the Monarchs even after this win. The Monarchs are finally starting to see some continuity in their lineups week to week, and it's paying dividends as the team looks much more cohesive. Standouts from this game were still, however, quite limited, uh, but not non-existent as in many past weeks. The center back partnership of Haziel Orozco and Golden, the big machine, Mafuenta, looked very sturdy as the two would go on to only seed four shots to SKC and none on target, making an easy day for goalkeeper Gavin Beavers. As well, 14-year-old Axel Kai looked fairly comfortable in his role at center forward. He had a few really good chances but was unable to convert. He still looks the part of a, well, you know, high school freshman at times, particularly when he dribbles directly into defenders. But beyond that, he was a pretty solid contributor, all things considered. And in this game, Ethan, the new rules were also in place. Off-field treatment and red card suspension rule. If you remember back to, I think, two weeks ago, these rules were introduced and they are beginning to be implemented. Uh, There was one incident in the 80-some-odd minute in which Brett Halsey was hit by a ball while on the ground and he popped right back up despite it initially looking like he'd need treatment. The trainers came onto the field, so he was forced to walk off the field. 
which would presumably start his three minute timer, but then he was immediately let right back onto the field. So with the rule being brand new, it'll be interesting to see if this is how it's implemented on purpose, or if this is going to adapt over time and players will be forced to actually sit out those three minutes, even if they don't necessarily need treatment. But I found this one to be a positive example of how it can keep the game flowing without risking players playing through injuries because he was able to immediately pop back up instead of wasting time and was then able to re-enter the game at a reasonable moment showing no clear signs of injury. But I also wish we had a deeper look at players with potential head injuries as well. SKC forward, Paul Agai was given a red card in the 65th minute and Ethan follow along here. Cause this one gets a little bit tricky and under the new guidelines, right. he would serve that suspension against the Monarchs. The next time the teams faced off. However, since they are not scheduled to play again this season and the suspensions do not carry over from season to season, he will serve that suspension in SKC's next matchup like a normal red card would be handled. However, if a guy is traded to any team still on the Monarchs remaining schedule within the next seven days before SKC play their next competitive game, he would serve that suspension when his new theoretical team were to be to play the Monarchs. So they don't transfer over year to year. And if you do not play that team for the remainder of the season, you just sit out the next available game like any old red card. The Monarchs next match will come against Chelsea's U21s as part of the inaugural MLS Next Pro Invitational. And that game will be played at Rio Tinto Stadium on Tuesday at 730. And that is all I have for the Monarchs. And I know I didn't get it in in under 60 seconds, but how did I do? That was fantastic. It was a bit of a whirlwind. Hard for me to keep up. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take a bow. If you weren't able to keep up like me, go back and maybe listen to it about half speed. I think you'll be able to catch it just fine then. But that was I did fantastic. My best. I try um, to get us through this monarch stuff lickety split <laughs> because you know it's it's real real in the weed stuff, even for diehard yes. MLS fans. So yes, but this week they deserved best. it. And the the rule about the injury, I I agree with you. I think if they can turn that into a positive, which we saw that it may be hinting towards the possibility of being a positive in the future, I like that as as an option. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to get too far ahead of our, yeah. our our preview or review, but there was one moment specifically in the RSL game where Jasper Loffelsund goes down. It was after the uh, red card to Roger Espinoza. He goes down for, I believe it was well over two full minutes. It might've even bled into the third and like the trainers were on the field. It looked really severe. He stayed down for a long time. The team kind of regrouped. Roger was finally sent off. And then he popped right back up and he played the remaining like 10 minutes like it was absolutely nothing. And he played at pretty yeah. much full speed. He would then get subbed off, but he didn't look to be hindered at all by that injury. That is a really good example of if he was forced to come out of that game, immediately receive treatment on the sideline, and then the game could just resume, there would be no impetus or incentive for him to then waste time like he did and then pop right back up. So that that's one example where I think this rule actually makes a lot of sense in that we see Bodie Davis pop right back up and he didn't need treatment and got right on, or excuse me, Brett Halsey, and he got right on with things. And then we see when that rule is not in place, Jasper Loffelson goes down. The team is able to kind of regroup. He comes right back into the, or he doesn't even leave the game. I don't believe he might've, but it wasn't for long. And then he plays and we score a goal like 30 seconds later. So I don't know. There's, there's reasons that players are incentivized to time waste. And I think if you can take that away, that is a positive for the game, especially one that sees a lot of stoppages and stoppages that are not accurately reflected in the stoppage time given because it's like an objective timekeeping thing. It's weird. So I don't know. I like the rule. I like to see MLS next pro take chances on things. And I hope to see this rule kind of become more standardized because this week it didn't seem to be that everyone was on the same page, but I digress, Ethan, that's all I've got for the monarchs. 
Awesome. Well, we will see the effectiveness of that rule going forward. Um, I think at this point, Alex, is, is it kind of just fair to say, the last thing I'll say about the Monarchs, is it kind of fair to say at this point that the goal for the, the Monarchs this season is just kind of to not finish in last place? Yeah, I think the goal is survival. I think it truly is. Yeah. At this point, it, I mean, we're as, as I've said in weeks past, we're finally, finally starting to see some continuity from the roster. There were so many guys getting called up, getting loaned out, getting brought in that going to youth tournaments that it was just impossible for them to field anything that looked like the same lineup week to week. And now they're finally getting to a point where they can have players for a full week of practice and play in the games without leaving the the roster. So I think, I think the team's only going to get better one, because I don't know that they can get a whole lot worse, but this was the first time, you know, besides the four Oh blanking, they put on the timbers who were just right above them. The team actually looked like a soccer team. It didn't look like a collection of guys playing individual games it was it was truly a cohesive unit and it was extremely fun to watch and you know being at home helps as well but but no it was great and i think there's a lot to be excited about for the monarchs moving forward i think that it was just a much bigger hurdle to get this team kind of off the ground in a new look way that i think the fo was anticipating uh but i think it's a good mark for the future and i'm excited to see kind of the guys that come out of it yeah i agree uh make sure to attend a monarchs game um slowly getting better for the team so um Hopefully, they can continue this. Uh, th- their winning ways, I guess I should say. Um, but let's get into the first team, talking a little bit about their games throughout this week. As you know, they played two games. The first game was against Atlanta in Atlanta, and the second game was against Sporting Kansas City here at the Riot um, in Sandy. So we're going to talk about both these games. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with the Atlanta game. Um, this game was uh, a bit of an early game. I believe 5.30 was the, the kickoff time. Um, for me, I was actually driving to Montana, so I listened to some of the game on ESPN 700, and then um, my wife graciously, thankfully, drove for a little bit while I was able to watch a little bit of the game with some spotty service here and there. <laughs> From what I did see, though, um, Ronaldo Cisneros gets a goal early in the seventh minute of the game, RSL quickly down 1-0, and then in the 33rd minute, he gets his brace, second goal of the game, Atlanta up 2-0 at that point, looking like this game could be a blowout, but... RSL, right before the half in the 37th minute, sneaks one back off the corner kick from Justin Merrim. A goal is headed in from Johan Kapelhoff, his first goal in 151 MLS games for Kapelhoff. Good for him. Good for him. Great, great achievement for the guy to get uh, his first goal in the in MLS. Um, and so oh, I heard you catch yourself there. I, 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 I caught myself. I'm getting better. I'm getting better each day, I promise. Um <laughs> But yes, a fa- fantastic job by Kappelhoff, um there at that moment. Unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. The team was not able to generate enough chances going forward the rest of the game. Not able to finish anything. Ends 2-1. They lose this game. My personal just right off the bat thoughts on this game, especially in hindsight now thinking about the Kansas City game, it's a bit of a shame that we didn't kind of go for this game, I think, a little bit more. Um, with Atlanta suffering so many injuries this year to so many key players, guys missing, Joseph Martinez did not start this game. Uh, if I can vet that, I don't think yeah, he came, he came the off last, the bench. Yeah. Last 13 minutes of the game in this one. So, but really didn't do much out on the field while he was out there. Um, so, so Atlanta missing guys. I, I don't know, man. RSL needing points. I, I think that they should have gone for it more, but they fielded a team that included guys starting in this one, like Nick Beasler, who went a full 90 minutes. Um, it was great to see Diego Luna start, but uh, only played 45 minutes for him. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah, it was a weird one. 63. It was it was definitely a weird one. Alex, it was was really a weird one. What do you think? And in the theme of traveling with spotty service, I watched the first half of this days later in the KSL stream on my flight home with spotty Delta T-Mobile go go in flight Wi-Fi. And so I, I took I took as much as I could out of it and then I couldn't continue refreshing to watch every 35 seconds but it was a a remarkably poor first half i think from rsl is is fair to say we looked pretty i don't want to use the word shambolic because i don't know that i i reserve that word for the monarchs minutes i think i think they they, kind of own that but uh it was it was a really rough first half and following it on twitter it seemed like it was going to be a whole lot worse than i think the 2-1 scoreline made it look and i think there's some positives to be taken in that i think the team did really rally back well in the second half to look composed at least i mean obviously they didn't fight back and win but they looked i don't know energy has been one of the things that this team has really harped on in losses especially when the energy quote isn't there and i think this is probably one of those moments but i hate that that is the excuse because it's 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 silly why are we why are we placing so much emphasis on this nebulous idea of heart and passion and desire when we could be falling back on things like tactical approach and, um, you know, in-game management and things like that. So for this game, there was one moment in particular that really, really stuck out to me. And I tweeted it out in response to Andy Larson commenting on Sergio Cordova in this Kansas city game. And Cordova goes to press really high, which is good, but nobody follows him. The team is really stagnant and there is one pass made to an Atlanta United midfielder. And then he makes a pass that I kid you not takes nine RSL defenders out of the play. He gets a packing stat of nine. That is yep. as good as it can get. Literally. He, he takes the whole team away with one pass and Atlanta nearly comes away with a goal because of it. They really, if they could finish better, they would have, and they should have frankly. And that to me is more of an indictment of the rotated squad than I think it is of RSL as a whole, because I think this team was so removed from the lineups we've seen that it's hard to judge them to the same standard, which is frustrating because as you say, this probably should have been a game that we went to win. It shouldn't have been a game on the road where you, you know, the, the, the old proverb of win at home, draw on the road. I don't think this was that opportunity. I think this was an opportunity to really go steal three points from an Eastern conference team And I think we probably got caught up in a lot of the old narratives like the team doesn't do well on turf. The team has to rotate on Wednesdays like other teams find ways to win in these in these spots. And it it was frustrating that we didn't. But luckily, we got the the opportunity to get this taste out of our mouth pretty quickly. And I don't know. I don't see I don't see too much one joy and enjoyment in reviewing this game much further, but also really any insight we can gather because it is, as you mentioned, just such a rotated squad that it doesn't feel fair really to hold them to the same standard as we do normal game reviews, but it also shouldn't be an excuse because it was a decision from the coaching staff to rotate the squad, whether or not you have or have not to do that. It still was a decision and they made it. And so maybe they should be critiqued for that because at the end of the day, you do need to go put out a roster that can compete and win games. But I don't know. I don't feel one way or another too strongly about this game. We continue to be, not very good against bad teams. However, that changed against, you know, the Western conference worst sporting Kansas city. But yeah, I don't know. It's an opportunity lost, but beyond that, I don't feel, I don't feel too strongly to, you know, one way or another about this one. 
Well, I, I agree with you. It sings a little bit. Uh, when I saw the lineups come out to, to start at this game, I wasn't very encouraged. And so my expectations kind of went down. I was like, you know, if we happen to get a point or even three out of this game, that's just fantastic. But if we lose this game, I'm not going to be all that surprised. Like you said, it's not going to be a real tough critique on my end. Um, but this is RSL. This is the RSL Sundays podcast. I want to try my best to take away some positives out of this game. So here I go. I love it. I love it. I'm um, all ears. Let's let's see what I can do. Um, RSL in this game, unfortunately, outshot 14 to 10, 7 to 4 on target. But the pass accuracy for RSL was actually pretty good in this game. Uh, a bit above their season average at 84 percent. Unfortunately, Atlanta was just a little bit better with 87 percent. Um, some things that really stood out to me, though, is Justin Merrim getting the assist. Uh, I know it's off a corner, but I had been talking about all I think it was also how- like a recycled corner, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Um, Justin Merrim, he's just been accurate, man, with his passing this year. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about him in this, this other game review that we're going to talk about with SKC. For me, he I, I think if he continues at this level, I, I'm... I may declare the guy the most consistent player on the team offense offensively. I would when say Jefferson Savarino exists. Yes, 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 yes. Because wow. guess what? Savarino wasn't here for the beginning of the season. And Justin Merrim was starting a bunch of games at the beginning of the season when he wasn't even projected to. I will be the first to admit that last season I, I hated Justin Merrim. Like <laughs> I did not like him and I was not excited for him to be coming back with the team this year. But I'm eating my words. Uh, he's actually been one of my favorite players throughout this season. And he looked good in this game. Like, he he was the only RSL player with multiple shots in this game. More than one. He had two shots in this game. Great for him. Another thing. Zach McMath. Five saves. Yes, he gets scored on in the first 33 minutes of the game twice. But keep in mind, the remaining, what is that? It's 56 minutes, rest of the game. Keeps a clean sheet for that time. Gets five saves in this game is second in the league at this point in saves made for this entire season. Um, last thing I will say about this game is that, I mean, the fact the RSL was able to keep a clean sheet is great in and of itself. But did you know that Justin Merrim is actually tied for 11th this season in assists? In the league? Yes. Tied, uh, tied for 11th. Really? There's a bunch How many of other does guys he have? He's got a total of five assists. Huh. Actually, I think with tonight, because uh, we'll talk about it in the recap, actually. But um, yeah, Justin Marin playing fantastic. Um, Good Aaron for Herrera Justin a, Joseph Marin. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Aaron Herrera had an okay game, like two goals conceded wasn't great. But I mean, he was busy on the stat sheet. He had five clearances. He had, um, I guess, one interception. Well, maybe not as busy as I thought. Anyways, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to paint as many positives here as possible. But I think we've talked a bit too long on it. Unfortunately, RSL loses this game. We move on and come home. Alex, you have one more thing before we move on. I do. And that is that I was extremely bummed and disappointed that this is finally the game we saw a back three because it was so bad. It looked so, so disappointing. And I think it was because obviously we were playing such a heavily rotated roster and we were playing Aaron Herrera, decidedly not a center back at center back. Please, please, if you watch this game and yeah. you were like, look, Alex got his wishes of a back three. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't yeah. what I wanted at all. I want Justin Glad, Marcelo Silva, and Eric Holt or Johan Kapelhoff, or even better, Haziel Orozco holding it down back there in a back three. And until I see that, we cannot fairly judge it as such. But yeah, that's all I got. I love that shout. I agree. It was a really wonky, weird formation for this game. So um, 
You know, yeah, it wasn't even a three four three, so he can't even say it was what I yes. wanted. I want a three four three or nothing. That's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move on to the game that I think everybody wants to hear us talk about because I would hope so. I would definitely hope a, so. A really fun awesome. game. RSL takes on Sporting Kansas City today. As we noted, rival Sporting Kansas City rival Sporting Kansas City. We're going to try our best to release this episode on Sunday. But I, I, I'm not sure it's going to happen at this rate. We have but 49 minutes to do it. <laughs> Sporting Kansas City comes to uh, comes to the pot. right in Sandy, plays Real Salt Lake in this game. Uh, the game started off with a lot of opportunities, mostly for Real, a couple here and there for Sporting Kansas City, but an eventful first half with no goals. In the second half, RSL comes out striking with a. Uh, I know we'll talk a little bit about this, but Sergio Cordova header in the 50th minute gets RSL on the board one to zero a little bit later in the game. Um, you talked about that red card. I believe that red card. Yep. Occurred in the 62nd minute. Roger Espinosa getting a straight red for a tackle in on Jasper Loffelson. He is gone and sporting Kansas city is down to 10 men. And you know what that means? The floodgates have opened at that point. Uh, just like literally two minutes later, Paulo Ruiz, Gets a wonderful pass from Jefferson Savrino from Justin Merrim uh, and and slots home a, a perfectly placed goal up to zero. And then at that point, like I said, floodgates open. Jefferson Savrino notches a, a third goal for the team in the 71st minute. Uh, Anderson Julio came on late, could have had two goals as well, but they're both uh, ruled to have been offsides. Uh, great to see him back and healthy. And I think that's going to be a big topic of conversation in this game is Good to see some guys back and healthy. RSL wins this game 3-0 in, in large part due to the fact that Justin Glad was back in the starting lineup for this game. Alex, how do you feel, man? Like, like how, how great is it to just watch this game and watch RSL pummel Sporting Kansas City? It's awesome. It's tremendous. There's few teams out there that feel as validating to beat the Anna Sporting Kansas City. They're just, yeah. even when they're bad, it still just feels really good. But before this game <laughs> even started, rolling up to the stadium, I, I, I tune into the radio, Ethan, and do you know what I hear? I hear that RSL oh. has terminated the contract of Chris Cablon two weeks early. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I definitely don't want to spend no time on this because what an unbelievably <laughs> strange signing this was. I mentioned yes, it. Like, you can go check the receipts. I was very off board of this sign. I didn't understand it at the time. I didn't understand it halfway through and I don't understand it now at all. Yeah. It made mm-hmm. absolutely no sense. And it reeks of Elliot fall, picking up the phone saying, Hey, blitzer umbrella. I assume they have a group chat. They're probably on WhatsApp or something like that. And he just texts left back exclamation mark question mark. He needs one bad. And literally any, it was the first GM that responded that said, I've got a guy we don't need here. Do you want him? And they said, yes. And not only did he take up a roster spot and salary space, he took up an international spot that apparently we needed because we canceled his loan two weeks early. So clearly we have somebody we want to sign. It was a stupid, stupid move when it happened. And it kept us from chasing somebody like a chase gas. Asper, who could have been usable, serviceable, MLS proven depth. And I think that that is the reason the Blitzer umbrella has the potential to be a detriment to this roster and to this front office, because if it is so easy to go get a Band-Aid fix that is going to keep you from pushing yourselves to get a legitimate fix to the problem, like a Chase Gasper, who was available and should have been on this roster and could have been a much more serviceable left back than we currently have and that we did have with Chris Cablon. 
I, I hate it. I hated the move. I think it was really bad. I think Sergio Cordova has come in and also been very bad. And uh, I know, I know I went out. I said, I, 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 I buried the lead on that one. We were going to get to that. But unfortunately, the Blitzer umbrella has been disappointing to say the least so far. The so only far. good thing it's brought is the ability for us to completely just cast off Everton Louise and create some magical gam that probably shouldn't exist. That is the one good thing is that we could get rid of a player with pretty much zero strings attached. And that's a major positive, a player that was making way too much money and playing way too little. Yeah. Uh, so that's a major benefit, but the players that we've brought in are concerning to me. And the fact that he was cut two weeks early there, that's not nothing. You know what I mean? Like, why didn't you either? You could have just waited out. Maybe you thought he wasn't going to get playing time. So just cut it early and send it back home. But, you know, there's whispers and rumblings of him not being a great practice player. What's the point of bringing in a guy in house that, you know, through your organization that is not a good practice player? Those are the things you should be able to avoid when you're bringing in a guy who somebody that you work like alongside with a colleague of yours says that this is a good player. Why? I don't know. I don't get it. I hated it. I don't like that it happened. I'm glad that they, I guess, just decided to cut their losses and get rid of him earlier. But I hate that it ever put the team in a situation that they needed to do such a thing. I don't know. I, I want to slide some other news in here because I, I realized that we have neglected to talk about it, but you, you slightly touched on it. And so I just kind of want to just briefly talk about it. Let everybody know in case you're wondering where Everton Louise is, what is he doing? Uh, unfortunately we have, I believe, uh, is it, did he leave on a fr- or no? He didn't leave on a free. We have no. So he over. was transferred to another Blitzer club. They Which changed is SK, their name. SK, SK Bevern. Bever- so Bever- it used to be Wasland Bevern in the Belgium yeah. second division. It is now SK Bevern. So they have received Everton Louise. He is no longer with RSL. I am very sad about that because I loved him. Not only because he's a Brazilian, but because he was a really awesome guy and uh, really a, genuinely a, a cool dude. So yeah, I thought he was great player. television. He was always willing to do bicycle kick clearances yes. in the box, and for that, he will always have my full support. But he was making—he was the eighth highest paid player on the roster, and he was at best a substitute. I was going to say not even a substitute, though. <laughs> I mean, like at best, at he best. was like break in case of emergency center yeah. defensive mid. But at least in That's his true. last couple years here, he was great when he came here. Yes. Uh, originally but but yeah that's the one good thing i think the blitzer umbrella affords us is the opportunity to just get rid of bad contract guys yes. and for that it that's has true. been helpful but bringing in players so far we're over two in my eyes i know sergio cordova may still come good but so far i think we're over two on guys in the blitzer umbrella and so i hope that that doesn't keep us from chasing after other players just because those signings are easier however that's that is a whole lot of preamble to get into the sporting kansas city well, game which was extremely fun and exciting so i want to keep us second. from that we still haven't even mentioned though too if you saw johnny menendez finally come back from injury and now you're wondering Fantastic where point. he is rsl has actually loaned jonathan menendez off to uh, velez which i believe is in the argentine league if i'm velez not sarsfield yes yes um so rsl has loaned out johnny menendez to velez He's no longer with the team for the time. Which is weird, too. Uh, Why is he on loan? Like, presumably, yeah. teams that send out guys on loan still pay a portion of their salary. Why are we not just cutting him? Or yeah. I don't know, because I don't think there's any compensation for us except getting some of his money off the books. And why would yes. you not just cut him and get all of the money off the books? It, it's uh, possible. I don't know. It's weird. Like maybe they maybe they negotiated a buyout clause because I think he still has like a year and a half to two years. So maybe they loan him for a year and they buy him yeah. out later. I don't know. But yeah, it's right. weird. I think they definitely you know, juggled that and came out to the decision they were most comfortable with. But I just, 
it's it's weird to me. I would like to see the inner workings of that and seeing how much money we're picking up. Yeah. But I, you know, obviously we're never going to see that with MLS rules and regulations. But yeah, I digress. Yeah. Johnny Menendez came in and played a little bit of striker, and so potentially, like my only thought process is we're already down. Bobby Wood, Anderson, Julio got injured, but was thankfully back for this game. But maybe management is thinking, hey, you know what? Maybe if we have a bad run, we lose a lot of strikers. Johnny Menendez is a guy that we can always, you know, bring back and potentially just throw up there at striker. But uh, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But he is on loan for the time being. Let's talk more about our game review. Uh, for and speaking of strikers, Ethan. Yes, I know. Here we go. We have to get Let's into it. it. And I am excited to get into it. And, and I think we're on the I'm, same page on this one as well. I'm, I'm mentally, great. mentally and emotionally ready to get into it. Sergio Cordova so, scored a great goal and he scored it with his head. Don't care. There it is. There it is. Hear the applause. Reel it in every reel it in Scordova fanatics. Snordova is no more. He's been put ironically to rest and Scordova is back. And then about five minutes later, he missed a wide open header in the box. (laughs) Unmarked six yard box. He puts it literally the only player he's got to beat is the keeper. And he puts it wide. Doesn't even bother putting it on target. However, he scored the more difficult chance. That is the same thing he did in Montreal. He missed an easier chance, and then he's made, he scored a harder one. This one, he just inverted it. He scored the difficult one, and then he missed the sitter. This is who Sergio Cordova is to me. This just reaffirms my bias, frankly, and my premonitions about Sergio Cordova. I said at the beginning of the year, I think he's probably an average MLS striker. He probably gets six goals this season, and he's right about on pace for that. I think had Bobby Wood and Demir Krylock not gone down, I don't think he would be seeing the minutes that he necessarily is right now, and I think he is reaping the benefits of added playing time, but I don't know that we are necessarily better off for it. I still maintain, after watching this game, that his best attribute is his pressing. However, the team doesn't always do it in unison. If you watch the clip I posted from the Atlanta United game, it is not seemingly a strategy that the team is fully bought in on to follow the press that he leads. And Pablo mentioned post-game in his press conference that he wants Sergio Cordova to stay really, really high. And that's something that is allowed to happen with Jefferson Savarino able to combine lower with the midfielders. He can stay really high and occupy center backs and try to get in behind and do things like that. That reaffirms to me that they do not see him as a very good holdup player because they don't want him dropping back deep and they don't want him with defenders on his back. They want him running in behind them, which is how he scored his goal, which was a very nice, very hard run that led to a good header that beat a defender and the keeper. It was great. It was a great goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. However, he's still not very good at holdup play. He's not a great passer. There were too many yep. moments in this game where he was dispossessed. And I don't know. I don't want to spend too much time on him because he scored a goal. It was awesome. His celebration was great. Hopefully he got the proverbial monkey off his back and now he's the floodgates shall open. But if that were to be the case, you would assume he would have hit the, the sitter that he he, he yes. somehow, somehow, some way put wide. So I don't know. I think this is the player that Sergio Cordova is. I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world, but for a player you're paying $700,000, I worry that so much of our cap is being eaten up by somebody who is not a good enough striker. And the rumblings we've heard from around the team and the way that their tune has sort of changed in regard to transfer rumors, it seems like the search for a number nine has ramped up in recent weeks. And I believe that we are probably honing in on a guy because Sergio Cordova's lack of confidence and goal scoring is to blame. So I mean, also guys like Rubio Rubin are not contributing. So there's, you know, the the blame goes around. Anderson Julio misses what probably should have been the fourth goal in this game. 
So it's not to say that Sergio Cordova is the only one not producing. He is just the highest paid player that is not producing. And that is a problem, especially in a scout in a salary cap league. So I'm happy to see Cordova's goal. I think it is fantastic for his confidence, hopefully, but I mean, dang, man, he missed a couple. And not even that wasn't the only sitter he missed in this game either. There was one was a couple. right in the south end where, you know, a lot of people were complaining that he didn't stick his leg out. I think he was probably too far away to get it anyhow. But then there was another where he's one-on-one with the keeper and he still can't beat him. I don't know. It's just, I think this is the player that he is. I yes. think he is going to get a lot of chances because he seems to find himself in decent spots. Not great spots, but decent spots, mind you. And the more he can do that, the more opportunities he gets. However, he is leading the league in big chances missed. So he's probably going to miss more than he makes. I don't know, Ethan. I feel like I share your sentiments pretty similarly yes. on Sergio Cordova. But where have I where have I gone astray? What have I missed? What do you believe that I don't? OK, a couple of things. Um, funny enough, with this goal, Sergio Cordova becomes a leading scorer for RSL with a total of four goals. But let's not read into that too much. First of all, Sergio Cordova is a an attacker. Uh, he has played some, some right <laughs> uh, question wing. mark attacker question mark. <laughs> so he's played some right wing, right? But he's been playing striker quite frequently for the team. He plays up top. It is your job to score goals. So four goals at this point in the season for having played. I don't think he played the entire season, but playing a majority of the season. I'm sorry, that's just not quite good enough. Keep in mind, this is Sporting Kansas City. They are. The worst, the worst team, team in the in West. the West, and keep also in mind that probably one of their better center backs and Courtney Ford was suspended for this game, ten game suspension due to uh, violating the drug su- substance abuse policy in the league. Um, he's out for this game. Just everything lined up for Sergio Cordova. It was a great goal. I agree with you, fantastic goal. But man, he plays this game, and I am looking through RSL Twitter through the entire first half of this game, which is your first tons- mistake, clearly. That's true, but tons and tons of tweets from people out there saying, why is Sergio Cordova on this team? Like, what does he really do to add value to this team? Like, like why, what's wrong with him? Why is this guy not scoring goals? Like, just trashing on him. Like, I'm done with, Ser- I saw multiple people say, I am done with Sergio Cordova officially at this point. And then, lo and behold, in the second half, he comes in and scores a goal. And what happens? RSL Twitter explodes. Oh my gosh, Sergio Cordova scored a goal. He's the best player ever. Let's calm down a little bit, okay? I think recency bias, Some and I so it gets the best of me sometimes too, but I think recency bias sometimes hurts us when we are trying to make judgments about certain players. This is a positive light podcast, yes, but we do also need to be realistic. Sergio Cordova, he's, I, I really wanted him to be it, and he's just not it. Yeah, you were extremely high on Cordova when he first yes. came here, and I was the one that was kind of pumping the brakes just a little bit because I just didn't, quite see it and through his 1300 mls minutes i still don't necessarily know that i see it let me let me let me give you a little tidbit here so in that 1381 mls minutes he has four goals and one assist off of 38 scoring chances jefferson savarino in 479 minutes has four goals three assists on 16 scoring chances it is unreal how many scoring chances Sergio Cordova does not put away. He is, it's, it it, it is unreal how many scoring chances he creates for himself. He's, he's presumably a very good striker, but he's a, he's a, he's a tremendously bad finisher. And it's, it's not something that I see changing anytime soon because 
if it had just been a confidence issue, I don't think he misses that second sitter that he puts wide on his header today. And yes, people make mistakes. He is human. I understand that. But again, he is being paid as a difference maker. Jefferson Savarino paid as a difference maker coming mm-hmm. in and immediately contributing. Sergio Cordova, he, I think he's a winger. I, that's I, that's what I believe. I think he was brought in. He had played winger. It's uh, His best attributes, I think, are pressing and I think from a wing position where he does that in tandem with a striker, instead of being the striker that fails to have a winger press with him. I think that could make him more useful, but I also don't think he's a very good passer and I don't think it's straight line speed is that eye opening. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't see him too much as a winger. I don't see him too much as a striker. I think he's benefiting from the fact that there are two major injuries to two of the highest paid players on this team at his position. And I don't think that we have any real better options at this point. Rubio Rubin has failed to produce much. So Sergio Cordova, Cards are to you with your goal this week, and I, I assume he'll start again next week. I don't think he's he seems to just be a very much Pablo Mastroeni guy, yeah. and I think we just have to live with that. But but I don't want to spend any more time on him. He he makes me he, he he's yes, an enigma. He's an enigma. He makes the difficult chances and, and misses the sitters. But yes. some guy who doesn't is Jefferson Savarino, and he looked yes. sensational this game. And it was one that caught me by surprise frankly i don't well i don't know if he looked sensational but he scored a good goal when they were down a man against the worst western conference team in the league but he scored a really good goal a really okay goal and just kidding it was a great goal and every yeah. goal jefferson Savarino scores is a great goal For but sure. most important to me was his role as a striker in this system instead of a winger yeah. i do not like this because I personally believe Jefferson Sabarino is a better winger than he is a striker. However, I also think two things can be true, and I think he is probably the best striker on this roster. So yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> he, he's just that good, frankly. Yeah. And I asked Pablo Master when he post game, I was like, so what do you make of his performance and that role? And he says one thing they focused on was in games where he was playing out on the wing, he was getting isolated and he wasn't getting enough touches and he, and he was not involved enough. So they moved him into the center after talking to him and he said he was okay with that. And it seems to be working. The only issue I have with it is that I think it takes away his best attribute, which is going at guys one V one in this yeah. role. He is often picking up the ball extremely deep. If you rewatch the game, a lot of his combinations come from around the halfway line and then he moves forward. And in that position, there's just simply too many guys to beat and he That's can't true. get isolated like he can on the wing one V one. So I'm, I I don't love that that happens because I think it takes away one of his best attributes moving forward, but I do like that it enables him to get into these really good spots for scoring opportunities because he's by far clear, far and away the best finisher on the team. So I, I don't know. I don't love him as a striker, but I think he's probably better suited there because I don't think the team around him is good enough to support him on the wing, which is unfortunate, but that's just how I feel. Ethan, do you think he's better used as a striker, a winger, or perhaps somewhere else? Um, you know, in this game, he kind of played a little bit as a striker. Sometimes we saw him drop a little bit in behind Sergio Cordova. It worked well. Again, it's Sporting Kansas City, so let's not like get ahead of ourselves here. But I'm actually interested I, where you fall on that. Does this? So we've had in the past this four game skid was all against bad teams, frankly. Right. Yeah. So where do you rate this win for RSL in terms of not only importance, because this was for the standings. I mean, this was a very like statistically important game, but how do you rate this performance against the four that we've seen before this against teams of, I mean, it's hard to say similar quality, but similar quality. Um, you want like that's even probably being generous because this team seems to be much worse than 
than any of the teams well, we've played. So do you so want me far. to read like out of ten kind of thing? I'm just interested on how if you're Pablo Mastroeni, do you feel that this performance was so dominant that it is a blueprint moving forward? Or do you think that we were playing a team that was so bad and we played such a such a majority of the second half up a man that you have to kind of throw away this result to an extent? I'll have to side with the latter, I think, a little bit more. I think it was just kind of a, a byproduct of facing a team like Sporting Kansas City, who isn't great this year. On top of it, you have the red card as well. Um, Sergio Cordova kind of gets things going. I, I would say that the, the blueprint that you can look at it is for maybe a bit of a, a confidence standpoint and a bit of a momentum standpoint. It's a great win at home, 3-0. It helps our goal differential a bit. And so potentially that can get things rolling. Formation-wise, it's great that it worked out, but it's it's Sporting Kansas City. We'll have to see going forward. Um, man, I... I, see, because I'm interested too. I don't know where yeah. I fall on this game because yeah. obviously it was a great performance. I felt we were dominant for the majority of the match. But as you say, it is against the worst team in the West and honestly very close to the worst team in the league because I think Toronto and DC are probably going to quickly become much better than they currently are. And because of that, I don't know how... I don't know. Obviously, I'm always excited about a win, always excited about a win at home, always about always excited about a win against Sporting Kansas City. But I don't know that there's actually much we can take away from this game and then, I don't know, use against, say, an FC Dallas. But you're you're telling me to pump the brakes here. What do you have for me? Okay, uh, this may or may not be a breakthrough thought, but for me personally. Oh, I love this. As I was this thinking is a about eureka this, moment, my friend. Yes, absolutely. Light bulb moment in the middle of the show. Um, I was thinking a little bit about this. I think this is a this could be potentially a blueprint for moving forward for the team. Um, if I'm looking at the team and like the guys that are healthy on the team right now that I want starting on the field, this is probably it. Like these are probably the guys that I want starting every from game the Sporting Kansas forward. City matchup. Yeah, maybe minus Sergio Cordova for like Rubio Rubin or something. But, I, you know, e- either way you look at it, it gets Mike Chang out on the field. And so if you're asking me if I would rather have Jefferson Savarino out in that spot kind of as a right winger or more as a striker slash attacking mid behind Cordova, I think I like him in the latter option there, kind of playing that attacking mid forward spot because that allows Mike Chang to get on the field, allows him to get forward and do what he had been successful at doing throughout the beginning of the season. It also keeps a guy like Justin Merrim on the field, who told you I was going to talk about him. I love this guy. <laughs> I think he's been con- very consistent. And in this game, he showed it just even more. Like, the guy, ha- I think, ended this year, the guy gets the the hard, it's either between him or Lawfulson, man, for, like, the hardworking player of the year, because Merrim looks like he's 10 years younger out on the field this year. I don't know what's going on with him, but he looks very, very good. And he looks spry. He looks fast. Um, he played well. And so I, I like this. I like this blueprint going forward personally. So you would wow. stick, because of what you've seen in this match and how we looked in this game, you would say that RSL's best 11 is the same that we saw from this match. I don't know if it's because of this game. Okay, yeah, but I think fair. it's because of the personnel that we have and like where they can best show their strengths, even though Jefferson Severino is taking players one-on-one. I get it. But overall for like the entire team strengths, I, I like that. It, it allows, I like that. So, allows you to get your best guys on the field. I think, or I guess I say, I like that you're willing to, to go there. So you think yeah. that getting Justin Merrim and Michael Chang on the field is 
a not necessarily a necessity, but a preference? I, I, I think so with the guys that we have healthy right now. I think so. Okay. I think it's our best move. Yes. So okay. do you, do you I, disagree? I, I disagree. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, Justin Miram, at some point the wheels have got to fall off because he is just playing it's possible, but- so many minutes. But yeah, no, he has been, he has been really good. I still, I know I'm just a broken record at this point, but I still think the three, four, three is the best look RSL can produce. I think it gets the most out of the roster that we currently have. Uh, and it lets, it lets wingers like Jefferson Sabarino who need to get on the ball, the ability to bypass defensive responsibilities, which they are currently very much on the hook for, uh, to drop deeper into those central zones and create because they've got so much defensive cover in a wing back, actually uh, an actual defender playing wing back and a center back behind them. So I think, I think that's probably RSL's best formation. And because we're, we just don't have two healthy scoring strikers. So why do we force ourselves to play like we do every single week? I think Sergio Cordova flanked by, Jefferson Savarino on the right and probably Michael Chang on the left, but maybe Justin Miram, possibly even a Diego Luna uh, with Jasper and Pablo underneath. I, I think that's our best look, but but I don't know. I, I don't know. From this game, I don't know that there's enough in the underlying performance to me yeah. that you can take from and build off of other than, as you say, mentality, a lot of some of the basics. And I don't know, yeah, there's just so agree. little dynamism moving forward in attack that is outside of Jefferson Savarino that it feels like he is truly just the offensive game plan. And I worry that better teams are going to be able to script for that and write him out of the game. And I think it's going to be an extremely solid test for us against FC Dallas, who are fighting for their playoff lives as, you know, I hate, I hate that I just said that. That is so <laughs> cliche. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think... As happy as I am about this result, it does leave me, not that it leaves me wanting more. You can't want more from a 3-0 win at home. But the performance, I I don't know. The scoreline is reflective of the performance to a large extent, I think. But you've just got to account for the red card and the fact that you're playing the worst Western Conference team at home. Uh, I just don't know. I'm trying to, it sounds like I'm trying to find reasons to be sad about a win at home. And I promise I'm not doing that. I'm stoked on this game and I'm stoked on the goals that were scored. But something about this FC Dallas game just it frightens me. Frightens me dearly. Yes. Even. I, I agree. I agree. Um, and we'll, we'll preview that in just a little bit um, and talk a little bit about our opinions and our thoughts on that game. Um, I will not allow you to to slander my boy Justin Merrim. But before it's we not slanderous. Okay. I just think that there's better options. But I mean, maybe there's nah. not. But I mean, not. he there's had that not. chance one v one with the goalie. He should have put it away. For some he reason, should've. he cuts it back. I don't know. I don't he know if he thought there was a trailing but, run or whatever. I don't know. I just like Michael Chang it. a lot too. I want to see Diego yes. Luna get more minutes. I felt it was okay. unfair to yank him in Atlanta after 45. That felt really yeah. weird to me for a young player's and, confidence to maybe yeah. you're trying to shield him from, cause he wasn't getting much on the ball anyway. So maybe you're just trying to protect him from another half of that, yeah. but it also doesn't feel like getting, you know, pulled at 45 is great for your confidence either. I was happy to see him get into this game. I wish he was able to combine with Jefferson Savarino. Unfortunately, yeah. that was not an option as they were swapped for each other, yeah. but uh, they were I, right. I, yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah. But I believe so. I don't know. Th- th- that was one of the positives for me too, was seeing Diego Luna, in an RSL shirt again, I feel like minutes for him are going to be important. And I kind of honestly selfishly hope he plays in that Tuesday match against uh, the Chelsea under 21s. But um, yeah, obviously, I don't think he will. But well, well maybe I don't know. Possibly he might get some time. Yeah, we'll I, I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to I, I don't want to sound like I'm 
like I'm bummed about a win because I'm not. I'm very happy about it. And I think I think we sit pretty comfortably in the upper echelon. Well, I don't know. The West is really tight. Dang, I'm looking at the standings now. We it's really tough. did need to win this game. Wowza. Yeah. That is that is impressive. Austin FC, yeah. good for them. 41 points. Wow. Yeah, they're playing fantastic. Second place. Wow. Unbelievable. Good for Austin. But yeah, I don't know. Are, are there any other positives from this match that you want to take away? I'm trying to think of some for myself, but yes. Jefferson Savarino, when I think positives from this game, it's just a shining, glorious picture of Jefferson Savarino. Yes. No, and outside of, outside of that, I don't know. Pablo Ruiz also looked great. I was so happy yes. to see him score. He is just my favorite. I just love Pablo Ruiz so much. And I still think he's got top five MLS D-mid potential. Pablo mentioned, Pablo Mastroeni, that is, in the postgame, that he has had a very hard time adjusting after the passing of his father, which is wildly understandable uh and since returning from argentina and i'm really glad that he was able to score in this match because in the back last well two out of the last three games he's had a free kick that should have scored that just barely missed this but uh, so it's good to see him i know he's finally like honing in those shots yep. he's becoming much more accurate and it seems like he's growing in confidence as well in his abilities and that partnership with jasper looks to be so fruitful and so that's that's my other major positive from this game was that those two continue to look really good. Jasper Loffelsen might be one of the better players on our roster, which is just so unbelievably wild to think and to say out loud, seeing where yeah. he came from and seeing RSL's history with draft picks over the last, I don't know, 10 years. So it was it was awesome to see him perform again and to see him come away healthy after that challenge from Roger Espinoza. I agree. I agree with you. Pablo Ruiz played fantastic and so did Loffelsen. Um before we move on to midfielders completely, I don't want to forget Anderson Julio who came into this game. Fantastic point. How minutes could left. I? He had two opportunities that he could have scored just barely offsides uh, for, for both of those opportunities. But one of them would have been a penalty if it had been onsides. Um, I think with his creation, you know, we talk about does this guy start because he's so electric when he comes into the game? Like, I, I think with this team that we have, honestly, bringing him off the bench consistently is just the way to go, man. He just yeah, tears apart that, people at the end of the game and he, he gives you so many chances and opportunities. And so Anderson, Julio, well done way to stay healthy in this game and not get re-injured. If, if you remember, he got injured in the Colorado game about a week ago is back in action for this game. Remained healthy for, from what I could tell in this. Presumably. Game. So, <laughs> so big, big round of applause for Anderson. Julio. I was really bummed to see him brought in in his very much like get in behind a tired defense role and miss the two opportunities that he had. I mean, one of them obviously would have been a penalty had it not been offside, but the second one he just put right on the keeper. That one was a bummer for me because it feels like he's in this kind of limbo spot where the, he can't get starts because he's so good at coming off the bench, but he can't come off the bench in certain positions because we can't get behind defenses. I'm thinking of you Columbus match, but uh, yeah, I, I want to see, I mean, I want to see him start, but you're as as you're saying, he is just so good off the bench, and he's such a good role player for what he does that it's hard to to kind of bypass that. But he was he was definitely, as you say, another positive for me. And my last major positive from this game is Justin Glad. We are an entire. And I can't believe we made it this far without saying his name. But we are an entirely. Oh, I, was, I was getting to the defenders. I was going forward, midfield. I and oh, I love it. You're so much more organized so than it. I am. I jumped the gun, but he <laughs> is he makes us an entirely different team. We are, I believe when he scores or with, with Justin glad we are eight, two and three. And without Justin glad, we have something like five points, something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we are crazy good with him. And we are allowing like 0.5 goals against and two goals against when he's not, when he's 0.5, when he is playing point or 2.0, when he's not playing. 
And if that is not just like the ultimate mark of a truly elite defender, I don't really know what else is. He's such a great organizer. He's such a great passer. He's such a great 1v1 emergency defender. His straight line speed is pretty much, I would assume he's the best on the roster. If not, it's Anderson Julio. He, he chased down the ball today one-on-one with some exactly. guy. Exactly. Totally he's, 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 he's very, very quick. And yeah. he's finally getting to the point where he is strong physically, where he can kind of hold up some of these bigger MLS strikers. And he's really growing into his own. And Tom Hackett asked in the postgame to Pablo Masterini about Justin. And he said something that was really interesting to me. Pablo Masterini said postgame that Justin Gladys having one of those seasons where a good player becomes a great player. Yeah. And I totally see it and I see what he's saying. And I, and I love that he was willing to go out there and say it because it feels, it feels right. And I think for, I think if this year had happened when Justin was 22, 23, I think he's playing in Europe right now, but as yeah. you know, progress is not linear for young players. I think he is one of those sort of late bloomers where it took him a little bit of time. It took a consistent center back partnership that he now has with Marcelo Silva yeah. to become a truly elite defender. And I think that's what he is now because we are, I mean, the stats have bared it out for a few years, but he's kept getting dropped in playoff games for seemingly no reason. And now he is at the point where he is the first team written onto the team sheet when he is healthy. However, being yep. healthy has been somewhat of an issue, but he was pulled out in this game. Subs- Excuse me. He was substituted out in this game, but I asked him post game. He says he's feeling fine. Everything's great. That was just precautionary, but he is truly a game changing defender for us. And a lot of the things he does are really quiet, really simple, but he just reads the game at a level we have not had a center back do since maybe Olave. He's getting really, really good is what I'm saying. He is becoming a, a, a truly fantastic defender. And I glad, I'm glad to see Pablo acknowledging that. And Justin mentioned he was one of the other postgame pressers we got that he's growing as a leader. And I just love to see that because seeing a homegrown to me, he's the quintessential RSL homegrown. I think he embodies everything the club wants from homegrowns. He didn't come through Harriman because he was a little bit early yeah. for that, but still, he is he is a homegrown's homegrown. And seeing him come up through the ranks, through the team, and become really one of the faces of the team and the franchise is just just so it's it's so enlightening, or not enlightening, but so uplifting. And I, I just love it so much, and I'm, I'm so happy for Justin. I agree with you. Uh, just a glad it's been fantastic for this team and essential. And like you mentioned, solidified starter for this team going forward when he is healthy. Um, so fantastic to see from Justin. I'm going to rapid fire uh, talk just briefly about a couple of guys in this game that I liked. And then I'll let you finish it off as I know you will probably have something else to say um, as I'm, I'm talking about some of these guys. <laughs> I always but, do, Ethan. Um, you mentioned Paulo Ruiz. I, I agree. Fantastic game for him in this one. Uh, ends up with uh, about 20 more passes than anybody else on the team, um, if that tells you anything. Just a lot of work from Paulo Ruiz in this game. Did a fantastic job. Michael Chang didn't do a whole lot. He helped move the ball forward in this game, but really not a whole lot else uh, out of Michael Chang in this game. Um, Justin Merrim, you know, I love him. He played fantastic in this game and had, uh, and ended up cre- getting credited with an assist that actually passed to Savarino and then Savarino passed to Ruiz for that goal. So will Savarino and Merrim end up getting assists in that one? Uh, Jefferson Savarino has a total of four shots on goal in this game, five total shots here. Jasper Lovelson, you mentioned, held it down great. Beasler and uh, Eric Holt came in late to see the rest of the game out. Um, Bodie Hidalgo came in for three minutes. Nothing real big there. Um, Marcelo Silva, fantastic game. Uh, the one thing I will say uh, on the first goal of the game from Sergio Cordova, the assist comes from Andrew Brody on the left side, Andrew Brody using his left foot to cross the ball. And that's something we had mentioned that we hadn't seen a whole lot of from Andrew Brody. So fantastic job on that one. And potentially we might be able to see more of uh, that growth with using his left foot going forward. Last thing I will say, 
is about Aaron Herrera. I think this performance kind of masked how Aaron Herrera played in this game. He did not play well. He had two fouls conceded, which tied Justin Glad um, and Lawfelson for the team high in this game. Uh, but apart from that, didn't do really anything else on the stat sheet. Um, been very disappointing for consecutive games hmm. now for for um, for Aaron Herrera. I I have been trying to think about what is wrong with Aaron Herrera. Do you think there's maybe a chance that like the dude just like he he's he's gotten paid. He's gotten an extension with this team. Do you think maybe he's just like, well, I'm paid now. Like they can't. I mean, they, yeah, they I don't know. Him, like, I actually, I think I disagree a little bit on your read of Herrera's game. I thought he was okay. fairly lively going forward. He had a couple crosses that were that were much better than they have been in recent weeks. He had a couple shots that were fairly lively, fairly electric, if you will. I actually thought he played fairly well this game. I don't know that he okay, even got too exposed defensively. But yeah, as you say, it was it wasn't exactly you know screaming competition. Johnny opposite Russell side of the jo- opposite, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, uh, one in the same. You and I, Ethan. So yeah, yes. I don't know. I don't think he was particularly poor though. I think he was fine, which I think is a is a good performance when a player is slumping. But everything else that you said, I echo and I agree with. My my my, my final note on this game is that Jefferson Savarino is incredible. I've already mentioned his yes. goal and assist contributions in the very limited time he has been here, and this is what truly game changing players do. And truly game-changing players cost money, and the window's been open for like a week now. It's time we get these truly game-changing players over the line. Go pay the extra dollars, whatever it is. Get a Gustavo Cuellar in here. Get Christian Benteke in here. Get players that know how to play at an elite level to RSL because they are clearly good. They are clearly making a difference. Jefferson Savarino is tied for the leading RSL goal scorer after playing seven games. It's it's unreal. He's just head and shoulders above anybody else on this roster, and he needs help. He needs people that can play at that same that same tier, and I want to see it happen sooner rather than later. But that's all I've got for this one, Ethan. All right. Well, um, I agree with you. It was a fantastic game overall from the team here, and we're going to move on to the, uh, the preview for the last uh, kind of segment of our episode today. Talk about the FC Dallas game. Um, FC Dallas is going to be coming to the riot on Saturday. I believe that is July 23rd on Saturday game. Kickoff time is at 8 PM at the riot. Be sure to be there for this game. It'll be a good one. Very good one. Um, as you mentioned, you know, FC Dallas kind of fighting for their playoff lives in this one. And I agree with you. I'm starting to look through kind of their past games um, out of their last 10 games. They've only won one game out of their last 10 games. So they do need this game. It should be very intense. Um, they should bring a lot of heat, but RSL's just been so good at home, undefeated at home still this year. So it's it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be RSL, a bar murder. But but and I I hate to use the term trap game, but like this could potentially be somewhat of a trap. Game this for isn't RSL. a trap game. We get we overuse that term That's fair, so much. It is not a trap That's game. Fair. This is a competitive game against a good team. Yeah. This is not a trap. How dare you? Seven, this is eight, not a trap six. game. They're, they're sitting yeah, on 29 team. points. We're only four points clear of them. This is a good team. Had we not won tonight, it would have been much closer. This is okay, a good team. You can't saying. use That's a trap right. game is reserved for like a Wednesday Terrible. open cup match against, uh, okay. I don't know, like a but, team playing their fourth ever competitive game from probably like Northern Colorado. 
named Alex, after RSL, ha- RSL hasn't weather. lost at home. They haven't lost at home this year. So if in you league any, play, please. In league play, RSL hasn't it's lost at home. It's, it's Don't different. you dare. That is Open Cup erasure. Florida Hill Storm game. That was that's an off situation. That was if a you trap ask, game. If you ask any RSL fan, nobody's going to predict a loss for this game. No one's predicting a loss for this game. And it's possible that Wait they could Wait till you get to the game. prediction standings, my friend. Oh, I'm predicting a win. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Well, I guess we'll get there. <laughs> okay, let's just talk about the predictions for this. Let's game get. We got to get out of here, dude. We got 10 yes, minutes before midnight passes, and that is officially RSL Mondays, and that's not the name of this podcast, Ethan. Okay, so my prediction for this game, uh, you mentioned it's going to be a close game. I should give Dallas more respect than I am giving them. So, yes, they are a good team. They're in six right now in the West. I say they get a goal, but RSL is undefeated at home. And as I say, this game could be a trap game, but I still just I can't bet against RSL. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm just going to say the RSL wins this game two to one. Not a ton of offensive firepower from RSL, but I think they're able to get two goals in this one. Beat Dallas two to one. So, Alex, what do you think your or what do you think the score of this game will be in in this one? What do you think? I you're, I mean, if we're looking at the prediction standings, I am sitting on five points. You are clear at 12 points, Ethan. You're absolutely running away with this thing. So clearly, if the the, the wise money is is on you, and so 2-1, 2-1 also kind of feels right, but I'm going to go 1-1 one, one draw. Dallas okay. is coming off a really good performance against Austin, yeah. and I don't know. They're... As, as we've kind of said, there isn't so much from this performance that leads me to believe a seismic shift has happened at RSL. RSL has been a very up and down team. I think we are not necessarily due for a down, but it is a distinct possibility that we have one of these games where we mentally, emotionally and energy wise just don't show up. And it's it's hard to predict those sorts of things. And it's hard to predict this team, clearly, because I'm not very good at it. So <laughs> I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I would love and I'm desperately hoping for a win to give us a little yeah. bit of breathing room at the top of we the West. <laughs> we do. We absolutely need it. But uh, my ones to watch in this game, I don't know. It sounds silly, but it's Jefferson Sabarino. He's he's so yep. good. I want to watch to see if he plays striker again. I think the team's going to do that. I think they feel comfortable playing him there. I don't love it so much because I think we lose a little bit out of him, but I don't know that there's anybody else you can play there that can produce the kind of things that he can. So maybe it does make sense, but he's my one to watch. He's going to score a goal. If RSL score and it's going to be him, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. He's going to lead the team. He's going to walk away with the RSL golden boot and everything's going to be fantastic come the end of the year when we're winning the league. But I get a little bit ahead of myself. Ethan, who's your one to watch? Um, I agree with you. I think this game is very important. Uh, they got six days rest, so a little less than a week, which is unfortunate. But you best believe that Pablo Mastroni is going to be getting those these guys pumped up and ready for this game because it is a big game, and RSL does need these three points at home. Um, I think Anderson Julio is going to be my one to watch for this game. Um, I saw enough from him out of the last 20 minutes that he played, and I understand he may not get a lot of playing time in this game, but I think that he is going to be essential to be able to break down the back line of Dallas as much as Dallas does want it. I think Anderson Julio, from what we saw, at least in this game, him coming in late, breaking down that SKC defense, even though they were a man up is encouraging enough for me. Um, my two, one, result that I'm predicting for this game, I think has to do with an Anderson Julio goal. I think Anderson Ooh, Julio gets the game winner, I love that. The, game, the game winning goal like he has in, in games of pass. And so I really like Anderson Julio in this game. Jefferson Savarino is a fantastic shout as well as always. I 
always love to watch Jefferson Saverino play, and I think he will play great in this game as well. So, um, you know what? RSL really needing three points in this game. Make sure you uh, try to attend the game or tune in in any way, shape, or form that you possibly can because RSL needing these points after this game, they will go to San Jose, play against the Earthquakes, which should get a decent result maybe some points there but after that it's lafc at home which will be a very very difficult game for reasons that we will talk about on our podcast episode sometime soon but alex before we end the episode today do you have anything else that we have neglected or forgotten to mention just a sincere thank you to you and the listeners ethan we've been doing this we're getting very close to one year i don't know if we've passed that already we actually might have now that i think think about it i think we have i think we have and that makes me happy and very glad that this has made it this long that kind of blows my mind so thank you ethan for taking time out of your day so many weeks of this last year to talk rsl with me and thank you to people that actually it still blows my mind that people other than my sweet aunt and my sweet girlfriend (laughs) listen to this podcast so thank you if you want to interact with us on twitter it's like my favorite thing in the world i'm a little bit addicted to it i'm a lot of bit addicted to it (laughs) so if you've ever got anything rsl to say at me i'll be there unless you don't want me to see it. If it's like some real Sergio scored of a chatter, I'll just mute it. I don't have to worry about it, (laughs) but anything else I'm on board for, but no, sincerely thank you to anyone that listens to this. I love it. Share it with a friend or don't, I don't know. Keep listening or don't Yes. do whatever makes you happy. Chase your bliss. Thank you, Ethan. (laughs) (laughs) thing i that's uh it's made me reflect a little bit and think about it that's crazy that yeah has it been a year i cannot remember it has been i'm pretty sure it's been over a year i feel like we should know Um, that i feel like it was recent i feel like we just passed that milestone did the fact that we are still i mean it hasn't taken a lot to keep us like 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 what are they gonna like what's dan and hype sports gonna do cancel us but like at the (laughs) same time like at the same time very very grateful and and humbled for for everybody's support and everybody listening to this podcast and so i i'm going back through the through the stream and it looks like (laughs) july 25th introducing rsl sunday a real salt lake podcast buddy we are coming up next week next week is our first full year of our what are we going to do 25th yeah it, so, won't, it won't be it won't be a week yet it, it won't, won't be, be the week. week to a day it'll be two but days it'll be two days short it'll be our probably 52nd episode that's so yes. wild that's crazy oh my yeah. goodness that's, that's our first episode massive. was 15 12 minutes our second was 20 oh my we've become insufferable ethan <laughs> we have become insufferable wow i love it, it. yeah I, I don't know how that actually yeah. kind of blows my mind it, it blows my mind that's too. so I, fun i, agree I love it's, that it's good for it's us crazy other people like to listen to us talk about rsl and so like we and even if they didn't if dan was like you have three listeners every single week and two of them are alex's aunt and alex's girlfriend like i would still do it like it would that's so that's tremendous i love that absolutely it's it's been great and um i appreciate you as well uh you know sacrificing a lot of your time thank you so much to to be here and (laughs) you you are addicted to twitter but it's you've (laughs) You, you, you poured in, wrong. you poured in, you poured in your heart, heart and soul. In True. These, that these follower count, episodes. baby. We're getting up there. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I I'm mean, coming for that blue check, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you just poured in a lot of your time and effort. And so I really appreciate you jumping on with me as well and, and recording these episodes. We have been very, this, this very fun and, and great to do. So, um, yeah, thank you all for just taking a second to kind of listen to us reminisce a little bit. And, and we really appreciate your guys' time. We literally would not be able to like gain the traction that we have without all of you guys listening to to us so we really really appreciate it and uh thank you all 
again, for, for your time tonight, really do appreciate it. Um, and, and for listening to us all the time. So, um, with that being said, if Alex, if you have nothing else to say, I will go ahead and wrap us up. I've got nothing, my friend. Okay. Well, uh, once again, thank you everybody so very much for listening tonight. Make sure you interact with us on Twitter. You can find me at Ethan Kershaw nine and you can find Alex at Alex Mauer. And also be sure to hit up the Hive Sports, follow them at the Hive Sports on Twitter um, to follow or to get all of your uh, Utah sports updates. Um, with that being said, I will say there are lots of, of great and magnificent things coming in the future for uh, for RSL Sunday's podcast. And so stay tuned for all of that. Um, we we have plans to uh, continue to be better and and do better things and evolve and continue to make things greater. So uh, with that being said, thank you all again for tuning in. Um, We will talk to you all next week. See ya. TheHiveSports.com has all the buzz on sports in the Beehive State, covering prep, college, pro, and church sports. No way, really? Okay, maybe not that last one. If you want to stay in the know about all things Jazz, Cougars, Aggies, and Utes, then this is the site for you. TheHiveSports.com. We may even feature your high school, so check us out today at TheHiveSports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out TheHiveSports.com because we got the buzz.